You are live with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo in studio, and I'm joined by AJ Vickery today. Andy is uh, somewhere. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you. Well, we've got a pretty cool show today. We're going to be uh, talking uh, later on in the program about how to pick the right home security camera. There's lots of these things out in the market now. What do you look for? What can they do? How easy are they to install? We'll go through all of that with you. We'll also be talking uh, about uh, the amazing story of the OnePlus smartphone. This is a a huge seller uh, out of China. Uh, that has really taken North America by storm as well just because of the price and the power. Well, you know, it's interesting because I don't know how many people out there have actually ever even heard of OnePlus before. This is uh, the newest model that we'll be talking about today. Is their, what's called their 3T. It's only the third phone. And I'm telling you, Mike, this phone is worth talking about. It, does, uh, it has some capabilities and some features that are built into it that you'd expect out of a $1,000 phone. You can buy this phone online for, you know, around $400. Well, we'll get in the lowdown on that. We'll also be talking with Matthew Johnson. He's the Director of Education over at Media Smarts, Canada's Centre for Digital and Media Literacy, uh, about how Media Smarts and Facebook are tackling the false news issue in uh, in a Canadian uh, initiative. And, you know, that that is a huge thing. You know, we've uh, seen so much crap come through uh, social media now on our Facebook news feeds. People are posting articles or what they think are news uh, articles. And so much of it is just uh, false, really. Yeah. Well, I, um, I, I mean, there's a, that's a well, that's a big, that's a lot to unpack there. But um, overall, I would agree with you. It's you know, how do you trust the information that you're getting from anybody? And as journalists who work come from a traditional background in radio and television, um, there there there's a sentiment there that there's a lot more um, effort and checks that go into the news that we provide. Um, versus some of these easierly posted things like Facebook threads. Yeah, so we're actually going to be talking with those folks at Media Smarts and uh, five ways uh, uh, to identify bogus news. Uh, but it's interesting. I mean, Google's uh, really getting into it as well. They've uh, got a fact check on uh, many of their new searches uh, that have uh, expanded now. They had it uh, going since uh, last year in, I believe, the UK and the US, but now that's expanding into other markets. Uh, on certain news articles, it'll actually be fact checked by uh, third party organizations uh, like uh, Snopes. Uh, you know, whether it's uh, true, mostly true, or completely false. Now, do you think the big, uh, the former big U.S. election is one of the big uh, reasons behind this fact-checking? I remember all we ever talked about during the uh, Trump election was fact-checking. I, I, I think it really kind of sparked it. I mean, it's been a problem for years. Hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm a voracious newsreader. Uh, I'm also on social media, and I'm just astounded by all these things that people are posting, you know, friends and colleagues. Uh, you know, I guess everyone likes to support their own worldview opinions of things and they're posting news articles to back that up and I'm looking at some of these sources for these articles and you know I've never heard of half of them yeah or or most of them and I know it's just bogus and if you just do like a quick check you know with other sites you'll find out right away that it's it's junk well you know what really scares me and and uh is the diet um news stuff that comes out so oh my god because you know you know it's like hey you no longer need to eat you know xyz and then you know like 
like the breatharians you don't actually need food all you need is <laughs> breath to survive like or, that won't work <laughs> or you, you you know if you eat chocolate cake in the morning for breakfast it actually is good for you yeah well that might be true well <laughs> I, I mean these things hit the news cycle and you know a lot of stations actually pick that up yeah. and and spit it out as fact without even checking that as well so i think there's a responsibility at a number of different levels to to look look into that uh, so anyway, we'll uh, be getting more info on that. Uh, other stuff uh, in the news, AJ. Windows Vista, end of life. Wow. Do you remember Windows Vista? Do you remember? We <laughs> well, you know what, Mike? There's still people out there using Windows Vista. and so I think it's 0.78 yeah, of users out there. Yeah, that, that, uh, that's an that's, internet survey. That's 0.78 too many. Yeah, 0.78 too many. So, you know, mom, <laughs> 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 sorry, we got to upgrade your computer. No, I. you know, the fact is there's, um, you know, Windows Vista is kind of like a dirty word to Microsoft in a lot of ways. It was uh, an operating system that was, you know, full of uh, issues um, and uh, and so as officially now uh, there will be no longer any continued support so any security patches or any updates um, you know there's no there's not really any clarity whether or not the system will even try to do any updates anymore but the fact is is that Microsoft has officially said uh, they will no longer support that operating system and that happens over time it does I you mean, can't it support with, everything no it happened with Windows XP which was probably one of Microsoft's most popular uh, Windows operating systems uh, out there I know they're doing well uh, with Windows 7 and Windows 10 um, which I'm running Windows 10 on a number of machines at home and yep. it's it's nice it's great it just works yep uh, but I remember when Win- Windows Vista came out uh, big fanfare get on board upgrade and I, I remember upgrading my machines and I'm like oh my god what the hell have I done? Yeah. This is making my machine slower. There's like 3 million little pop-ups now making me like hit okay on, on these things. Mm. And it drove me mental. Well, I'll tell you, um, Microsoft gave away Windows 10, if you recall. Yes. Uh, they, and they ended that uh, support, you know, roughly around a year, a little over a year ago. And um, there's a lot of people who missed out on that opportunity to upgrade. And, and yeah. I never thought that they would actually really charge for it. I thought it was just kind of like, hey, make sure to upgrade because we want you all on the new 10. Yep. But um, but there's a lot of people out there that actually didn't take advantage of that and are regretting it. Yeah, I think we might speak to someone later on in the show that <laughs> forgot to do that. Um, but yes, Windows Vista, they're ending support. I mean, you can still use it. It's not going to shut down uh, overnight. Uh, but basically, they're not going to be updating the security uh, patches and and uh, what have you. So if you're still running Windows Vista, it's probably time to either upgrade or, you know, get a new machine because that machine is probably pretty darn old. Absolutely. Cool Uh, contest today. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, Well, we're giving away the Moto G4 Play. Uh, Great smartphone uh, from the folks at Motorola. Uh, Amazing camera on this phone and uh, and killer battery too. 2800 milliamp battery, um, which isn't the biggest one I've seen out there, but uh, uh, built into this particular phone, you get a lot of a lot of lifetime. Other stuff in the news, AJ. uh, Stories coming up about the RCMP uh, being able to intercept cell phone calls. Uh, you know, there's technology out there right now uh, for law enforcement that allows them, uh, with the right hardware and software, to set up uh, fake cell towers to intercept, I guess, mm-hmm. bad people's calls and, and conversations. Uh, another tool um, that's in the news, uh, and you can check this out on the CBC website, uh, IMS, IMSI catchers. And so IMSI is like the unique number uh, assigned to your, your cell phone or your smartphone that identifies it as its own. It's like kind of your, your home street address, yeah. essentially. 
And so they uh, have acknowledged that they've got uh, 10 of these units across Canada, uh, and they use them uh, in investigation since 2015. To be able to track down where a person is because they never leave their phone behind. Well, yeah, you know what they're saying? They're saying it's only used to identify a suspect's devices, not to track their location or collect the contents of their communications. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, 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 I say this, you know, time and time again, just be careful what you're you're saying or, or talking about on the phone because mm-hmm. the technology is out there for law enforcement and, and in some cases nefarious third parties to, to capture that. Well, I don't want to get too crazy, but like, is it strange that I can say, okay, Google to my phone and it'll automatically like start listening to me? Or, like, yeah. Or Hey Siri. How did, how, or Hey Siri. How did it know? Cause it's listening all the time. It, Cause AJ. it's already listening. It's all already the time. listening. These new connected devices in the home, like the Amazon uh, Echo. Echo devices, yep. which are part of a smart home, yeah, uh, and even the Google Home, yeah, they are listening all the time yeah. for that command. Where's all that data going? Do you want to know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to the cloud. Yeah, uh, it's you know what are they doing with the information is the problem. You know, obviously we have to be vigilant to make sure privacy laws are kind of up to date and up to speed on all these new technologies. But you're right; these devices, and we've seen it with uh, the Samsung TVs, for example. Mm. Uh, they're always listening. Uh, you know, hackers have actually figured out how to hack into those and actually listen into people's conversations. Apparently, allegations that the CIA was doing that wow. in some cases. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of scary. So, you know, am I surprised that the RCMP have these devices or these technologies? No, not at all. Well, you know what's scary is that um, your your uh, devices typically have these cameras and microphones built into them. Your laptop has it, your cell phone has it, all these things have it. So so when you download a third-party app, like forget about the big guys that maybe you feel more comfortable with, like Google. Like maybe you feel more comfortable with Google. But um, you ever realize you have to like read those agreements um, when downloading a new app and it's asking for like access, like you're to all these things, access to my phone, access to my camera. Yeah. Why do you need that? Like this is like a, a like I'm playing solitaire. Like, what? <laughs> like I don't understand. So, but it's a flashlight app. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes, exactly. So, um, you know that that and you no know, one ever reads those things. You just scroll by and press agree. Like you're not going to read 14 pages. Of I read small about print. this guy um, through the internet, so I haven't fact checked it, but apparently he uh, thought he'd take the time to read through an Amazon terms of service agreement. I forget for what product or service. Yeah. Uh, and I think it took him like eight hours. <laughs> like who, th- like, you know, that is, that is a load of crap. Yeah. Well, I mean like to really read it and like understand it and yeah. go over those passages two or three times, eight hours is, that is fair? not. No. Is that fair? Is that fair to consumers or anyone really? Like <laughs> soon it'll be a video. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to your new home connected device. Yeah. We are watching you all the time. <laughs> I don't know. But how do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, it's a difficult because I but, want... But I mean, you like your cell phone and well, you love being able to say, okay, Google, phone mic. Right. And I want... Exactly. So in order for these you know, machines to learn language and be able to communicate and for us to get closer to this concept of like, you know, relative AI, uh, it needs that data, that big data to be able to crunch. And so in order to get that big data, we need to collect it from everywhere. So I, you know, I've got mixed feelings about it because I want, as a technologist, I want to enjoy the benefits of technology. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Matthew Johnson, Director of Education at Media Smarts, on how to spot fake news online and what they're doing with Facebook to combat that. Back after this. 
You are back with Get Connected. Still lots to talk about on today's program. Later on, AJ and I will be going through things to look for in purchasing a new home security camera system off the shelf. We'll also be talking with Dan Bader, Senior Editor of Mobile Nations, about the amazing story of the OnePlus smartphone. A $1,000 phone with all the features for almost half of that. So you'll want to stay tuned uh, for that story as well. On the line right now, we have Matthew Johnson, Director of Education at Media Smarts. Canada Center for Digital and Media Literacy. Uh, thanks for joining us, Matthew. My pleasure. Uh, we wanted to get you on the show because fake news is a, a, a huge topic right now, and especially, uh, I think, since the U.S. election and just all the craziness <laughs> out of that. Uh, AJ and I were actually speaking earlier in the show uh, just how some organizations like Google are even getting into the game of helping uh, their customer base spot fake news. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what MediaSmarts uh is about and what you guys are doing now with Facebook to help. Well, Media Smarts is dedicated to making sure that, in particular, Canadian children and youth have the critical thinking skills they need to understand and actively engage with all media. Uh, so our mission includes traditional media literacy, uh, but also what we call digital literacy, which is taking media literacy and applying it to the, the networked media that, uh, of course, we're all using nowadays. So for a long time, we've been developing resources, primarily for parents and teachers, but for general audiences as well, aimed at a lot of different aspects of media and digital literacy. And one of the things that has been consistent, really going back to the beginning, has been the idea of being able to authenticate information uh, and being able to recognize bias, so being able to tell when uh, information is objective and other times when it is subject to a kind of bias and reading the bias behind the lines so that you can understand where a source is coming from. Of course, most recently, we've increasingly been seeing more and more uh, some outright misinformation and disinformation. And so a lot of the work we've been done recently has been uh, helping people to recognize when they're flat out being lied to. And that's a challenge now. The way that we're getting news has, I think, changed dramatically over the past 10 years. You know, in the past, obviously, we got it through newspapers, magazines, radio, and television. But I would say uh, a vast majority of news and that type of information are consumed online. Uh, and a lot through social media, uh, Facebook, Snapchat, all these different uh, platforms uh, essentially have news feeds and people are reposting stories uh you know, from various sources, and it, it is kind of difficult sometimes to wade through that. Like, how, how do you help educate kids in that regard? Well, first of all, it's just making people aware that uh, not everything that's online is reliable. Um, that, first of all, there is a distinction between um, legitimate news sources, which, of course, all come with their own bias and need to be read critically, but are still aiming for objective, responsible journalism, and uh, sources that are simply trying to misinform them. It's about teaching kids to tell the difference between uh, sources that are trying to inform and sources that are trying to persuade. So, you know, there's a lot of legitimate information out there that is being used to make a particular argument, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that so long as you are aware of the difference and you recognize uh, the difference. And, of course, it's giving them the tools when they think that something may not be legitimate, to authenticate it, to, to find out um, whether it's reliable or not. And in particular, recently, because of um, the 
increased use of social media to spread news, there's been an added ethical component, and that is that we need to make sure that something is uh, legitimate before we share it, because people are counting on us uh, to use our own ethical judgment and our own critical judgment before we pass it on to them. How young uh, do you think um, you know children should start being you know exposed to this type of thinking, and and what um, can parents do to help sort of prepare them? Well, our resources actually start in kindergarten. Um, we're really dedicated to making sure that Canadian kids get a full media literacy and digital literacy education, starting from kindergarten and going all the way to grade twelve. And when it comes more specifically to news. Uh, and to uh, authenticating information, most of our resources start around grade four because that is when kids, based on our research, are moving into a wider environment uh, where they will encounter news sources. And it's also the age where they start using the Internet for school research because we know that that's one of the major ways that kids run into misinformation is when they're doing research for school and they don't yet have the critical facilities to be able to tell whether a source they find is legitimate or not. So for parents, um, you know, the best advice always is, particularly early on, to be a big part of your kids' media lives. So when they start, uh, you know, exploring more widely uh, online, when they start to get social networks where they're going to be getting news stories spread with them, when they start doing research from school, as much as possible you want to be with them and you want to... Uh, be showing them and modeling good ways of finding information and verifying it when you find it. And that's one of the reasons why uh, a general audience resource like our new 5W tip sheet is valuable because, of course, we who grew up uh, in the non-networked world and in that generation, we don't necessarily have these skills ourselves, and so it's great to have uh, a primer on them whether it's just for our own use or whether it's so that we can teach them to our kids. Matthew, I want to thank you so much for coming on. We're going to have to have you on again uh, in uh, the short term. Where can people find out more information and, and get the 5W tip sheet? Uh, you can come to mediasmarts.ca. That's our website. And uh, it's currently on the front page of uh, the website, but we also have a parents tab in the middle uh, of uh, the banner, and uh, all of our tip sheets can be found right there. Matthew Johnson, Director of Education at Media Smarts, uh, on how to tackle the fake news uh, uh, issue in, uh, in Canada. When we come back, we're going to be uh, teaching you how to pick the right home security camera. Of course, we've got App of the Week with Christina Stoyanova at the end of the show as well. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and AJ here in studio. We still have lots of tech to talk. We're going to be teaching you how to pick the right home security camera. You'll want to stay tuned for that in the next segment, and uh, we'll also be getting App of the Week with Christina. But right now, on the line, we've got our good friend, Daniel Bader, Senior Editor of Mobile Nations. Thanks for joining us, Daniel. Oh, thanks for having me. Wanted to talk about uh, a smartphone, and, you know, we talk a lot about smartphones on this show, and, you know, there's literally dozens and dozens out there in the market, but wanted to kind of hone in on one company, OnePlus. Tell our listeners what OnePlus is all about and, and why this is uh, one company to be watching right now. Right. So OnePlus is a company that came out of nowhere in 2014. And what it did was it released a really good phone with all the latest specs. It, it was called the OnePlus One. And it, it, they did it in a way that was really different. They sold it directly to consumers, online only, didn't partner with any carriers. And they, they 
had a really unique marketing message. They did a lot of hype, um, you know, kind of guerrilla marketing around the product. They got a lot of enthusiasts in the Android community together to, to, to promote the product. And at the end of the day, it, it was just a really solid, really inexpensive smartphone. You could buy it for about half the price of, say, the, the latest Galaxy or, or any other high-end Android phone at the time. And over the course of three years, the company has made a name for itself selling these really high-quality, relatively low-cost phones. And they, they call it the flagship killer. And that's a tagline that's been used since the early days of the company. But along with that, it made some really poor decisions, some really bad decisions when it came to marketing. It would, it would host these contests to, say, ask people to send in photos of their favorite female uh, you know, uh, their, their, their favorite females in their lives, for instance, which was a, a really poorly received one. <laughs> and and oh my God. Uh, they, they, they had a lot of really poor decisions in the, in the early days. And the reason that they're, they're, they're on my radar today is because they stopped doing that, and they're now just making really great devices. And is that their value proposition, uh, really good specs in their phone uh, for a lower price? Right. So they do two things really well. They're able to source great components like the latest Snapdragon processors, the latest Sony camera sensors, the fastest ROMs and fastest RAM and, and storage. They have great screens and good build quality, all the things you'd expect at about half the price of, say, a Galaxy S7 or, or S8. And they're also doing software really well. A lot of Android enthusiasts don't like the skins that come on the Samsungs and the HTCs and LGs of the world. So OnePlus has made a name for itself selling really good smartphones that don't have that sort of crust. It's the, it's the uh, what they call stock Android on board, and, and that's how it's built up into the enthusiast smartphone of choice. AJ, you're a fan. Yeah, well, I've just recently got to try out uh, the OnePlus 3T as well. And, um, you know, one of the things that, and I guess just, you know, speaking to the same point here is that, you know, it's a, it's a solid uh, phone that's being put out at a, a really good value price. But, you know, beyond that, um, you talk about the um, the simplicity or the quickness. You know, there's not a lot like that bloatware that you sometimes see in a lot of these phones. Like it's a very streamlined system. And if you are a fan of Android, you're really getting a sense to use that that operating system straight up um, nice and easily with just a, with, with some nice features that are built into it. I mean, there's a lot of like, like, I would call them gimmicky little things that for me I really like, like ways that you can turn on the camera or turn on the flash flashlight um, without even waking up the phone. Um, but uh, you know, one thing I was kind of interested in your opinion uh, is, Dan, what, um, how do people find, like, is, is this brand something people find out about generally just from, like, ordering straight online? Or, or, you know, do you see the big carriers, you know, signing these guys on? So in the UK and parts of Europe, they do have partners. Uh, they sell directly from Amazon in India. They have a really good relationship with, uh, a bunch of carriers in the Scandinavian countries. But in North America, there are no carrier partners. And what's so interesting about OnePlus is that it's been guerrilla marketing. It's been word of mouth. And it's been, oh, hey, that's a really cool smartphone. What is that? Uh, that's been, um, you know, the, the really big selling point and, and the way that the company has spread its message over the years. And now with the OnePlus 
which is the latest phone. Uh, you know, you, you talked about a, a, a few of like the, the software gimmicks that set it apart and, and the reason that people like it. But those, those, are, the, those are the things that um, you know, do separate it once you get the phone. But when you look at the OnePlus 3T, which is you know, available for around 600 Canadian, and it's, it's got the same specs as something you get for you know, over 900 or even $1,000 Canadian, you, you, you see the excellent build quality. You see the unbelievable sharp screen. And you see a camera that can take great photos in daylight or low light. And when you, you know, if I'm, if I'm out with this phone, it's really attractive. Somebody asks me what it is. I tell them oh, it's a OnePlus 3C. They go, oh, I don't know what that is. Yeah. They say, well, it's a great phone, um, and it's only 600 bucks. They're going to go, oh, okay, you know, now I'm interested. Yeah. Is someone going to switch from a Samsung S7 or S8 to this? Well, here's, here's what I found. A lot of people who have gone from not the S7 or the S8, but they have an S4, S5. They're really holding on to that older phone. They're waiting for their contract to expire, and they just want something new. And their carrier says, oh, okay, yeah, you want the latest phone for a low cost? You have to change your plan to something that's crazy expensive, like double the cost of what you're paying right now. That's when OnePlus comes in and swoops up the customer. You buy the phone outright, and you can keep your current plan. And I think for most Canadians, that's the best value proposition. What's your feeling about the dash charge? Well, dash charge is actually its not anything new. It's a way to charge your phone faster than a regular AC adapter. But it's just a rebranded version of another company's charging solution. It's a company called Oppo. And what, what it does is it really puts all of the the, the, the smarts inside the actual, uh, inside the phone. So you're not, or sorry, inside the charger itself. So you're not actually heating up the phone very much when you're speed charging it. It's very similar to what you'll find on a Galaxy or an iPhone or anything like that. But as I said, it's, it's available in a, in a product that's about half the price of those high-end products. Daniel, I want to thank you for joining us on the show. Tell our, our listeners a little bit about uh, Mobile Nations and what they can expect to find there. Yeah, Mobile Nations is the parent company of a, of a, of a site that I run. It's called AndroidCentral.com. You can find anything you need to know about the U.S., Canadian, and worldwide Android ecosystem at Android Central. We also uh, run two other sites, iMore, where you can find anything to do with Apple, and Windows Central if you're interested in the uh, Microsoft ecosystem. You're running Android Central? I sure am. Yep. It's, a, it's a lot of fun. You haven't run it into the ground yet? Uh, no. Well, no, the ground's pretty <laughs> soft, so uh, it's, it's taking a lot of the hits. No, it's a great it's a great, uh, great gig. I really enjoy it. No, I, uh, I always love uh, your articles, and it's a fantastic website as well. So uh, if you're into the latest in uh, smartphone uh, news, uh, definitely check that out. Thanks for joining us, Daniel. Oh, thanks again for having me. Daniel Bader, Senior Editor over at Mobile Nations uh, and Android Central. When we come back from the break, still lots more tech to talk. App of the Week with Christina and also how to pick the right home security camera. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and AJ here in studio. Andy will be back next week. Lots more tech to talk. Of course, we'll be hearing from uh, Christina Stoyanova shortly with her App of the Week. But I uh, wanted to spend a little time talking about home security cameras. Uh, something I think, AJ, both in you you and I have had some experience with. We've yes. tried out different models. Yep. Uh, and there's so many out on the market now, kind of these plug-and-play ones. You can set up your own home security system, as far as cameras are concerned, in your home that will have motion detection and will send you alerts. 
uh, and video clips right to your smartphone or computer. Yes. And um, I think, you know, it's really good distinction there to talk about home security uh, versus all the other types of cameras that you can get for your home. For example, a lot of people uh, will talk about like a camera just for the baby room. And, um, and it has a lot of those exact same features that you might have for home security. So you really do want to sort of get a sense of exactly what you want to do with it. Where do we even start, do you think, AJ? I mean, I there's, tell, so, I there's, so many, there's so many out there. Yeah, I mean, we could, we could start with what our favorites are. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, one of the important things is to, you know, perhaps pick an ecosystem that you're going to live in, like maybe one manufacturer Good point. that you're going to outfit the home with. Or when I say ecosystem, for example, Apple's got their home kit now. Yes. And so these are different manufacturers that uh, adhere to Apple's home kit standards so that you can actually use all their different devices through Apple's home app. And it kind of makes it easy to have them set up uh, as well. But uh, let's start with you. What's what's your favorite? Well, um, okay, that's a, <laughs> that's a tricky question, double-edged. So, so let me start off uh, talking about um, what I think is a really cool ecosystem just because you brought that up, and that is Nest. So the thing that I like about Nest is that um, um, it has the cameras, but it also has a couple other things that you wouldn't normally necessarily consider as part of your home security but are part of your home security the big one being um the actual um smoke alarm so so uh and really air quality alarm as well and so at my home i'm running the nest camera um which i think is really good um for general security but i wouldn't really give it top ranks as just security camera and and i can talk a bit about that but when you when you start to work it with the ecosystem of things uh, such as the um, smoke alarm system i think that uh, that really provides some really interesting information and you get a monthly report uh, regarding uh, things like the quality of air in your house which i think is really cool but um, in terms of my absolute favorite security camera i gotta go with canary you love that one. I love that one. And I'm telling you, one thing about this uh, Canary one that you'll see some of these security cameras have built into them is it has a 110 decibel alarm built into it as well. So that Depending if you, which model you get. Depending which model. So yeah. if you actually see uh, something going on and, you wanna, um, and you're concerned about it and you want to give an audible alarm, you can actually trigger that security camera to go uh, that security alarm to go off. And let me tell you, I've, I've set that thing off a couple times. It is, it is loud. It's interesting. Uh, we, we actually try a bunch of different ones in the office, and we recently had a break-in. Yes. And um, out of all the security cameras we had, that was the only one that was working well, not and only, captured it. Not only was it uh, the only one that, that worked well in that particular case, but I would say consistently um, it has got one of the best motion detectors as well as um, it has sort of like a free like – like there's – there's obviously going to be tiers in any system that you get, but it records content to the cloud that you can later go and, and download without having to pay additional fees. And, and that's something that you really got to look into because I was really surprised. Like I was trying out the Ring doorbell and I was like, oh, this is really cool. I want someone to be able to come to my house, ring my doorbell, and then I'm able to decide if I want to yeah, let them Yeah, you got in. video of them. Yeah, I got video of them right there. Well, um, <laughs> if you don't subscribe to the, um, the plan to pay record that data on a monthly basis then if i'm not there to hear that doorbell ring i don't know who came you oh know? it so, doesn't you don't get a clip no nope. you have to pay you gotta pay oh see if so, i'm there i yes. can talk to the person and i think that's probably one of the big things you have to look at when you're researching these home security cameras 
will they record the video to the cloud or onto the unit itself? So a lot of these little cameras, they have micro SD cards and you can actually save the video footage right to the camera and then get that footage after either through your smartphone or computer. Uh, but the majority of them, if not all of them, also record to the cloud. So you have to make sure that when you're doing your homework that you're comfortable with what those terms and subscription fees are. So for example, I have the Netgear Arlo system at my home, which I love and I'll talk about in a minute. Uh, and you get free seven-day cloud recording. So it will capture any video that it detects motion on uh, and you can set how long those videos are. And it'll save it up on your Arlo account for up to five devices, I believe, for seven days. After that, it resets yep. and it records again, the next seven days. If you want, if you want longer, you're going to have to pay a subscription fee. Yes. But I think that's reasonable. Yes. You know, but there's some cameras that you have to have a subscription fee right out of the box yep. or you're not going to be able to save anything. Exactly. So some people are okay with that because they were planning to do that anyway. But, uh, you know, if you're okay with that, fantastic, but that is a big thing. So some of the other camera features that I think are worth looking at too is just like we've looked at some cameras that actually you have the ability to control the field of view. So not only are they wide angle lenses, but you can actually control the camera to turn robotically. Yes. Yeah. And so you have the opportunity to sort of like change what you're looking at. So rather than having maybe two or three cameras in one place, you could have one camera that can kind of like spin around. So again, looking at can it move? That might not be important for everyone, no. but the field of view, like how many degrees? Is it like... 90 degrees? Is it 180 degrees? There's some cameras out there that have a wide view. Yes. The D-Link Omna, which is uh, compatible with uh, Apple's uh, HomeKit, beautiful camera. Yes. It is fantastic. And it's got, I think, 170 degree field of view. So you can stick that in your main family room or great area, and it's going to capture everything. Yes. Yeah. So and that's important to look for. That's important to look for. And the other thing I would say is other sensors, right? So, you know, uh, that's one thing I might look at is just, do you want to know, uh, again, the temperature of the room, the air quality of the room, these other kind of features, not critical to security, but those are other opportunities when you're looking at the camera to check for. Uh, I guess some other things uh, as well to look for is the motion detection. Yes. Uh, do some homework on that as well. Uh, some of these cameras, uh, they, and they all have motion detection, some of them detect everything. Mm -hmm. And that's okay if you've got it set up in some locations that don't have a lot of traffic. But, you know, I've got five of these Arlo cameras set up around my home and yard. And uh, you have to be really careful what uh, time you set the motion detection off at. Because if you've got one on your front driveway and you just have that motion detection going off all day, you're going to get three million alerts gonna and it's going to drive you insane. And then, you know, you're going to be numb to those alerts and you won't be checking them. So look for cameras that... Uh, are really good at being able to program the times you can set the motion detection to go off. And also some of these newer ones now, you can set zones. So like in the uh, the field of view of the camera, you can actually set, I just want the motion detection going on this half of, of yeah. the, the field of view. And also some of them now actually have uh, family face detection and things like animal and car detection. Yes. Uh, so maybe you don't want the camera going off when the dog or cat goes by. And so some of these cameras can, can program that now. So that's uh, an important feature to look for. Very cool. Uh, also, uh, you know, whether they're fully wireless or not, I have the Arlo cameras and they take batteries. And you can get the pro version that takes rechargeable batteries. So you don't have to worry about having a power outlet near them, mm -hmm. which is kind of nice. And they're weatherproof. Yeah. Which I love. So uh, ones we can recommend, uh, you like the Google ones? I like the Nest uh, ecosystem. I like the Canary for just security camera. 
I like uh, the Arlo system from Netgear, D-Link, uh, their new Omni camera, and you know D-Link cameras in general, fantastic. And also Belkin, uh, they make a great line, uh, their uh, uh, HD camera line. We're going to have to take a break. Lots more tech to talk. Stay tuned. Uh, Christina with her app of the week is coming up shortly. You are back with Get Connected. It's that time, app of the week. We've got Christina in studio. What do you got for us? I have an app that's not going to come as a surprise for you, Mike. Okay, what is it? You're a huge Apple fan, so you've already heard about this. Okay. It's Clips. Clips. They uh, announced this a uh, short while ago, and uh, kind of is it kind of like a Snapchat-y thing? Uh, well, it's video editing on okay. your phone. So Snapchat lets you do that, but this is not that exactly. Okay, when I think video editing, I'm thinking long clips, and i got to put all this stuff together in a timeline. Yeah, exactly. So no timelines here. So how does it work? It's really easy. Um, so basically, it lets you cut video, um, add text, add music, mute audio, all of those things without any of the complicated things that come with traditional video editing software. So from wh- what I understand, it's supposed to make it stupid simple. It is. And how yes. long are these clips, do you think, in general? Just like oh, well, tiny 10 to 30 really. second clips? It's really up to you. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go too crazy with your phone. My God, I can just see the future here. I'm going to get a million more messages now that are all video based. There you go. But they're going to be all fancy because they're going to have text and filters. and So they'll look better. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the videos you send won't look as bad anymore. Yeah, because I'm constantly sending videos. <laughs> <laughs> and when are we expecting to see this? Uh, it's out. Oh. Which oh. is why I bring it up. <laughs> okay. You know what? I'm going to check it out. And yeah. Let's talk about it on next week's show. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. I'm so, looking forward to seeing these videos. Uh, gosh, videos of your puppies, probably? Probably. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> that'll, that'll be the easy thing. Uh, and free for Apple iPhone users. Yeah, totally free. Want to thank everyone that helped put the show together. AJ, Vickery for coming in. We'll see Andy next week. And uh, thanks for Christina coming in the show, as always. We'll see you again next time.